Hello! Thanks for downloading this podcast. Just a quick note to say that we've changed the name from Fight Back to the next round. We think the new title gives a more future-facing angle to our conversations with marketing and business leaders as they chat to us about the next round for their businesses. Enjoy this episode and make sure to subscribe. We're planning Series 3 now and it should be with you later this year. This is Fight Back, the innovation podcast. Hello and welcome to Fight Back. I'm your host, Robin Charney. I've been in digital marketing and innovation for over 20 years. I now work at AAR, where we help brands to design, build, and drive high-performing marketing ecosystems. I started Fightback because I was tired of startups and scale-ups getting the spotlight as the new engines of growth and marketing savviness. I didn't see anyone telling the story of innovation and transformation from the point of view of brands with little history, a little heritage, a little gray around the temples. It's kind of a modern day David versus Goliath story, except I'm more interested in the Goliaths. In each episode, I chat with someone from a brand that we've all heard of and love about their innovation story. It can be anything from marketing to business transformation, but it will always be bullshit free and personal with something for you to take away and apply to your own business. This stuff is hard, so I really want to share the good news where I can. In this episode, I'm super excited to be chatting with a marketing dynamo, She started off her career in financial services, then went on to launch Hive from British Gas, super cool. Moved to Challenger Bank Aldermore to launch their offering and is now CMO of Smart Tech at Vodafone. Welcome to Pamela Brown. Hey, Pamela, welcome to Fight Back. Hi, Robin. Thank you for inviting me. Just to kick off, I wanted to ask you, so Vodafone, I kind of see Vodafone as the granddaddy of mobile phone operators. You've been around a while. And there have clearly been a fair few new entrants over the years. So tell us a little bit about what fight you're in at Vodafone. Yeah, I mean, Vodafone um, is a 30-year-old business and it's really grounded in the idea of connectivity. We made the first mobile call in the UK on the 1st of January 1985. We've grown bigger and bigger over that 30 years. So you're right, it can be perceived as a granddaddy of mobile phone operators. Um, But our fight is really maintaining that same relevance today as we did 30 years ago. The ambition for Vodafone is to continue to grow in the consumer market. So we want to find ways that we can use our connectivity um, in new ways for consumers and ways in which they can benefit their lives. And so for us, we believe, and particularly in my team, um, the smart tech team, we talk about how customers can stay connected to all the important people and things in their lives. And that's really by being connected. Amazing. First, I just want to talk a little bit about you. You launched Hive at British Gas, which, you know, we all know. And I'm really curious because you've launched a product called Curve recently at Vodafone. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the difference, you know, innovation culture wise. What is the difference for you about, you know, launching something like a sub brand like Curve at Vodafone and then launching a whole new brand and, you know, go to market strategy for Hive. So I think at Hive, it was about creating a brand from scratch. It had, there was no equity, but we did leverage the British Gas Trust equity as part of that equation in the brand that we built. Whereas at Vodafone, it's more about transforming a brand that's already there. It's established and known for mobile connectivity and more so for broadband and now TV. But actually, smart tech, it isn't something that it's really um, known for. So what we've done is try to carve out um, a, a sort of a refreshed identity, I would say, for when we're communicating our smart tech range. 
And what we do is we very much talk about those products, again, because we're doing the same at Hive. We're building and creating the hardware, the software. We're creating a beautiful customer experience. We, we did that at Hive and we're doing that at Vodafone. But the difference here is that we're doing that for a new range of devices by Vodafone. We call that designed and connected by. And, and that really is our commitment to um, smart tech. Because actually what we found, the customer problem is slightly different. It's about using connectivity in a different way versus the customer problem at at British Gas was about how do we give consumers more control of something they don't believe they have control over, their heating. And by giving them more control, they can be more efficient and save money, etc. You know, never leave your home heated when you're on holiday or you've gone out for the evening. Whereas at Vodafone, it's about actually our core service is connectivity. And now all we're doing is we're finding new ways for consumers to use that through devices. It's still the core Vodafone service. And therefore, it didn't feel right to launch a sub-brand for Vodafone. You're listening to Fight Back, the innovation podcast. Just tell us why you hate the term IoT. Ah, yeah. (laughs) Well, IoT is the internet of things. And um, I think It's a really established term, especially from a B2B perspective. And actually, even Vodafone have been in IoT from a B2B perspective for over 10 years, and we have 50 million connections. So that's everything from, you know, imagine smart lighting in an office block. But when I talk to consumers, there is no, it's not in their vernacular. There is no frame of reference really for Internet of Things other than super early adopters. You know, the innovators in the product lifecycle, you know, yes. those guys. Um, there's a People few like of them. like me who used to work at Adobe who could talk IoT to the cows come exactly, home. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And I guess my job is trying to make this more, you know, mainstream. And that doesn't mean we don't, we forget about innovators and early adopters. I always believe you have to start there because you have to get these guys on board because they do part of your marketing job for you, actually, because mm-hmm. they're also, they're the go-to people. You might be the ask, right, within your fr- family and friends, right, I'm going to ask Robin about that. She'll know what the best. Oh, yes. Yeah. Even at my job with the head of, um, with the title of head of digital, I still get asked about email. <laughs> <laughs> How do I find this thing? Exactly. So I think, I think early adopt is super important, but what, what, what I'm trying to do, I guess, in igniting new categories is open up the market for everybody. And I just think we should call things the way people refer to them. And the time that I've spent with people, um, smart home actually is a phrase that's familiar. And I think that's been spurred on by smart speakers and smart doorbells and smart thermostats like Hive. Mm. But um, I, I really, the way people talk about it is smart devices. Oh, and it's so important. You have to have, you have to talk like real people in order to get them bought into it. People always underestimate how hard it is to create a new category and land it with, with you know, Joe, Joe in the street kind of thing. I mean, I think, I think you're making progress because my, my plumber tried to sell me a, a smart tech device the other week. <laughs> so you know when the plumbers are selling it that, that it's, it's starting to land. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, we even in our vision statement, our vision statement is improving everyday living through the magic of smart technology. That's what we're here to do. That's there is smart. no there's no word of IoT. And, you know, it sort of links in with your first question about Vodafone's fight. For me, it makes sense for Vodafone to find ways to extend the use of mobile connectivity through smart devices and um, call it exactly that because that's consumer vernacular. It's a smart device. One of the big things we might get onto later about, you know, what is a key learning? One of the key things for us has really been 
actually the plethora of devices out there in our category, so whether that's smart trackers, there are many of them. There are many smaller manufacturers or big manufacturers even, um, but the product experience hasn't met consumer expectation, which is why we've really developed our strategy, which is, you know, let's design and connect our own devices. And that's a huge decision, isn't it, for a company like Vodafone to really say we're going to own the whole customer journey from end to end. We're going to build the hardware, we're going to build the software, we're going to build the experience. Yeah. And that that's a really interesting area to dig into because that comes into one of my questions, which is, you know, how does your heritage, how does your knowledge of the market inform your business decisions? You know, how because I think that is very different to the the plethora of no-name Chinese brands that you can buy on Amazon, of which there are probably millions. I didn't want to uh, say those words, but yes, you're, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> those 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 no-name brands. Um and but you've you've taken a business decision because yeah. you could have you could have done lots of things right you could have partnered with a startup and rebranded something and white labeled something you could have bought another company and done it that way so what drove that decision to to build it soup to nuts yeah i think you know what actually iot was launched back in november i think 2018 in vodafone Right. And the first strategy that we adopted was a sort of a hybrid that you were just chatting there in the question, which was we worked with third parties and we sold them with our connectivity. So we sort of said, let's take that smart tracker or that pet tracker. We'll add the SIM connectivity to it. We'll package it up for consumers and we'll get it into the market. And we and then, you know, later then I joined the business and, and we started to learn a lot in this approach. It was a wonderful experience. We launched originally with five products. We then expanded the portfolio to 10. We launched in four markets. We then extended into other markets, South Africa, Portugal, Greece, Ireland. So, you know, we, we really went for it in terms of trying getting our product out there. And, you know, the number one learning, if you go back to being customer obsessed, it was the customer experience. And we just felt that in order to really ignite the category, you need a best in class, you need a leading customer experience. So and igniting the category is quite an important phrase in itself, because that's what we're doing when it comes to some of the IoT or the smart tech devices. They really are unknown. So um, that was really important. And actually, if you step back and you look at smartphones, it's a really humble example. Before the launch of iPhone, um, all those years ago, but before the launch of that, there were other smartphones. The iPhone came along and wow, what a beautiful hardware, what a beautiful software experience. And, you know, even the concept of apps. Do you remember like when we all first heard about apps, we're like, well, what are we going to do with these apps? Mm. Now there are apps that we just cannot live without, or there are some that I can't. And it's just a really great example of how you have to have a leading customer experience. When we talk to consumers, their feedback is, that, you know, that they want to buy smart tech from players or companies that are trusted and credible. And trust and credibility are really important. And I think you referred to it earlier, there are a plethora of devices and manufacturers out there, but they're unknown. And when it comes to smart tech and, and it involves elements of, you know, your own personal data, it's really important that things are secure and safe. And actually, there are many wonderful qualities we have as being considered a brand that's been around because we've got retail stores. We've got experts in stores that can introduce products and demo and help solve troubleshoot problems. We've got wonderful um 
care teams that are working, you know, at home and it, during these times, again, helping sh- ensure people can use the products in the way that they want to. Um, and we know how to get things done. We've been launching mobile phones and different tariffs for years and years and years. So the formula is probably the same. It's just a different um, different product. Mm. And, and I think you can underestimate the importance of brand to consumers, especially in these days, you know, that trust, that heritage, that we know who you are, we can find you again, we know you're not going to disappear overnight. I think consumers are increasingly valuing that more than they ever have. So I think there's a real advantage in, in building brand and, and launching new brands. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because you launched your first product, bless you, um, <laughs> in the middle of a global pandemic and during a lockdown. So can you talk to me a little bit about that how was that what did you learn I mean that sounds overwhelmingly hard I mean I've been in marketing for 17 years but I have never lived through something like this this is like how I imagine people will read about the plague in London you know yeah in many years to come um it's been really extraordinary so we started working on Curve which is our first product the smart um smart GPS tracker for a number of months before before the lockdown and before um COVID really and we just when we started we had a clear launch date in our minds and we never imagined what's happened to happen we started looking at okay what are the scenarios um that we could end up in and what do we do in those scenarios with regard to launching and what what we also do is we don't tend to launch in one market at a time because we like to make things difficult for ourselves we do a minimum of four markets and there are big eu four european markets um But before I could even get into scenario planning, I really wanted to take a step back. And again, just with that customer lens, just thinking, right, actually, what can we understand about consumer sentiment right now, consumer attitudes, consumer behaviours, given COVID? Actually, and and we couldn't really commission any work, but we used, there was lots of wonderful syndicated research out there, whether it was Kantar, Ipsos, Endelman, um, BCG, you know, the many, many um, experts were publishing um, content about consumer sentiment. And at the time, and I think to some extent, maybe today still, people are really concerned about these three things, the economy, their health and their loved ones. And those were the priority. And alongside that is like, can I just get the basics, whether it's toilet roll, pasta and everything else to eat. But, you know, they were the three things at top of mind. And then we could then knowing those three concerns of consumers and how we were seeing their behaviours and attitudes change, we could go into the scenario planning. And the scenario planning was quite simple. One, we just continue in a lockdown for God knows how long. And that's probably quite strict. You know, the strict lockdown, i.e. you're not out of your home, really. Yep. Yeah, we all remember yep. that. Yep. Um, then the second scenario was, well, there's some form, and at the time we called it physical distancing, but it is what we know as social distancing. So your, your schools may be opening back up again, um, workplaces will open up again, public transport will continue to, to um, operate. And then the final scenario, which I lovingly called freedom, and I nicknamed it Mihai jumping into a pool. And Mihai's my one of my peers, he's our commercial director. And we talked about him wanting to go on holiday and jumping into a pool, and then we'd know we'd, we were in, you know, completely out of this. So they were our three scenarios. And then you do what you do. You sort of start to look at and you, you judge, okay, if we launch in scenario one, two, three, what would the messaging be? What does it look like? And so on. But I think it was very, very clear to us for the product that we have, Curve, the multi, you know, multi-purpose tracking device, it's best used out of the home. So launching in a lockdown, if people aren't really allowed out of their home, did not make sense. And what's the point in trying to launch something 
and put it out there. And it shows no regard to understanding the situation people are in. And that was one of the lovely things, actually. The Endelman paper was brilliant because it talked about brands and about how consumers, unless you had you were communicating something relevant to them in their situation today, they were switching off. Mm. Oh, and yes. brands were losing trust by communicating things completely irrelevant at the time. So it made sense. And we sort of went, okay, so it's probably scenario two. We'll launch the scenario two. And what we might do is, you know, with this device being a multi-tracking device, we won't show in any of the imagery people getting on an aeroplane going traveling. That would be completely insensitive. Um, but actually, let's let's show it in its best light and the best way this product can be used, which is, you know, out of home, walking your dog, attached to your handbag, um, putting onto your kid's backpack, um, putting it in your car, all places. So, you know, all places that you can, there is a really strong um, use case for the device, even in a scenario two, which was that sort of, there is some social distancing still. But I think really, if you go back to the customer insight, now more than ever, people want to protect um, the people and things that are important to them. And they want to have more more ways to have peace of mind, really. Even for me, actually, it's really interesting. I live just opposite a cricket green. And for my kids who are on summer holiday, when I launched the product, all of a sudden, they're, they're, my daughter's now eight, my son's six, and I gave them one of the trackers each. And it just, you know, attached it to the, the loop of their jeans, actually. And I told them on the front button, there's a quick alert. So if, if, you, if you're out um, and you need me, just press the quick alert. Um, but I can track where you are with this device. And I let them go out for the first time ever in my entire, you know, time as a mum, out across the road and play up the tree, which is right in the green. And they could not believe their luck. They were in their element. And I sort of took me back to when I was a kid. We were allowed out to play, you know, on the street with all the other Absolutely. kids. Absolutely. I was just thinking exactly and the same thing. You know, we had so much freedom. You'd get on your bike, you'd go on a bike. No, I can't even remember my mum telling me what time to come home. But today, parenting is a little bit different. I mean, or mm. certainly for me anyway. Um, and everybody chooses to parent in their own way. But I had not let my kids out of my sight before then. And uh, But I'm right by the window and the kids were there and I could still see them, but they had this little thing and they just felt utter freedom. And me as the parent, I felt reassured knowing if anything untoward was to happen, they'd send me a quick alert. I would get the alert on my phone, it would ping, it would make a noise and um, I could track where they were if I needed yeah. to. So oh, That's amazing. It, that's amazing. Yeah, it really has changed a little dynamic in our house. Um, and it's quite important at this time because actually we've been, we've been stuck indoors together so much. Yeah, no, I think it's so important when you can kind of, you know, put a real human story and benefit to, to a piece of technology. It just just brings it alive. And it's and it's a real thing, right? You know, you as a family have changed yeah. the way you live with a piece Absolutely. of technology. So I think that's amazing. And just to take it back to you a little bit, in terms of what you learned yourself launching a product in lockdown, your first product in lockdown, what what lessons were you going to look back at in six months' time over a very, very, very large glass of wine and think, oh, God, you know, that I never thought that was going to happen or I never thought yeah. I would have done that? Yeah. I mean, my number one piece of advice would be keep calm. Keep calm. Don't panic. What tends to happen in the time like this when, when there's so much uncertainty? It's like, oh, don't know if we can launch. Should we launch? Or is it the right time to do this? Or what's going on in the world? Da, da, da. I think you've got to just ground yourself. And I'm really lucky, you know, the job that I do, I love understanding people. And I guess that's why I went into marketing. So I sort of go back to, well, well what actually, I know what I'm thinking and feeling, but what is, what is the world at large or in my markets? What are people thinking and feeling? And that really helped to ground us. 
because then it wasn't based on my own panic mode system that I'd gone into personally, or it wasn't based on my boss's view of the world. This is based on what people at large are thinking and feeling right now. And then you can calmly move into planning. And I think all, all, all of us in our jobs, we do like a little bit more a plan makes you feel comfortable and more reassured. So I think first thing is just keep calm, smile. The second thing is, I think the key thing that I'm trying to practice more of and with my team and my advice to others is let's just not take things so seriously. Let's make sure we've got fun here. And, and that's really important. I would say we've always had a great, um, you know, benchmark for fun and enjoying ourselves. But when you're in the office, there's that banter. There's the hugs, the tears, the sort of high-fiving moments. And we haven't been able to recreate that, I think, when we're all at home. There's many Zoom calls. We're all Zoomed out. Um, <laughs> and virtually, we're sort of high-fiving and things like that. But I, I, I just think we can't, life is just so short. And we've just got to enjoy every moment of what we're doing. Um, so if we can stay calm, be less serious, have more fun, I think we can get through this really well. And if you ground it all in, what are customers thinking, feeling, doing? What do they need right now from us? What can we provide as an organisation? Um, then, then yeah, that's going to stand you in good stead. And I think Vodafone's done some wonderful things um, for consumers right now in a time of, of crisis. That's that's super sage advice, because I think it's so often you can impose your own thoughts and feelings, especially as a marketeer on, you mm. know, thinking, well, if I'm feeling that, then clearly everyone else. So that whole bit of grounding it in research and and up to the minute research, not research that was done six months ago, because, you know, that was a completely different world. So that, I think that's a really useful insight for people to take away, which is, you know, in a crisis, you do still need to invest in research or, or kind of go out and make sure that you're not in interposing your own panic and lack of control this is fight back the innovation podcast um i'm just gonna kind of to a close which is i want to just ask you what excites you about the future of telecoms and the adoption of smart devices and i really want to know if we're all going to have robot butlers because i'd love one gosh this is you know <laughs> i'm gonna question. I'm, I'm gonna admit something i'm probably a bit of a, a geek a nerd at, at uni oh. i studied my thesis my dissertation was how the internet would impact the marketing communications. Oh, wow. And so I don't know, I just, that must have been my calling. And it, the internet was so new back then, 20 years ago, that it was, it was like this new thing and it come, you know, from the army. And I think Google may, had Google even launched? I don't think they had back then. And, um, it was all about how would how would the internet influence marketing? And then, you know, I got my first job. My first job was at BT in the marketing grad scheme. And it was to basically open up the broadband category, the market, launch broadband. Technology in this sense, um, innovation in this sense, takes time to get to mass adoption. And I'm living it now. And it's a wonderful job. I love doing it. Um, where will telecoms be? I mean, it's visions of just being, you know, untethered. It's connected through many things and maybe it isn't through even having screens. I think voice is a, is a big role to play personally as we move mm. um, forward over the next couple of years. But yeah, I got it's just, it's, it's, it's really exciting to think about. And robot butlers, yes or no? Are you pro or against? Pro, absolutely. I mean, I could <laughs> sit here. I need someone to bring me my mint tea. It would be lovely. My daughter does it, but I do worry about her pouring hot water. But anyway, well, um, that's another... Maybe- 
That's, yeah. that's another device. That's, that's another, another device. Exactly. But, you know, hoovers that are self-cleaning. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of wonderful, wacky. I mean, another one, actually a, a really lovely subject I'd love to touch on is how IO, uh, smart devices can actually tackle things like loneliness. Yeah. In Japan, there's actually a product that looks like a cat. And when you stroke it, it gives you a reaction um, I've you seen know, those. You know, yeah. it's just there is ways in which technology can deeply connect us in ways um, that weren't imaginable before. And is there anything out there just kind of with that, you know, you're clearly curious and, and you know, excited by tech and out there in the world. Are there any innovations or new tech out there that you're like, wow, that's just so cool. I wish I'd kind of been involved with that or you know, really excited by it. Is there anything you look at going, wow, besides your own things, obviously? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've, let, I've talked so much about tech. There's two things actually come to mind. One is a, um, a startup. Um, a friend of mine, Misha, has set up and he's like a serial founder, um, mostly worked in the Russian market, but he's developed um, a platform called Manifest. And it's and it's basically to enable average people like you and I, with our own social media following, to monetize our social media profile. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah. And it's a brilliant, brilliant model because I think, you know, as a marketeer, I'm inundated with expensive influencer fees, you know, having to brief them, having to deal with all these things. And that they obviously influencer campaigns are very important, especially when you're in, you know, new products. Um, but I love the concept that Misha's come up with um, because it's about actually you influencing, you might only have 500 followers, but they're going to be very close followers of yours. They're your family and your friends. And actually you, as, as you said, an early adopter and the tech sort of go-to person in your network, if you were to start promoting something, you'd get a kickback personally. So I thought that was a really, really smart business. And, and we all know how important social media and influencers are. So um, I really love that one. Fantastic. Well, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I love your enthusiasm and your optimism and you just know your shit. It's great. Thank you oh, so thank much you, for Robin. being part it's of the been, podcast. It's been really lovely to talk to you today. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. <laughs> 